This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to the Liverpool Echo's Blood Red podcast. We're coming to you on this Friday as we preview Liverpool facing Nottingham Forest at Anfield on Saturday. Nice to have a 3pm kickoff at Anfield back, I suppose, isn't it? As well as reacting to the latest Liverpool FC news after a pretty impressive week for Liverpool following their 6-1 victory over Leeds. Well, joining me today, we've got the Liverpool Echo's Paul Gorst. Hi, Gorsty, how's things? Yeah, all good, Pat. Not long back from the Eggenclough press conference, which I'm sure we're going to get stuck into um, after a morale-boosting 6-1 win at Leeds on Monday night, which is... Uh, a welcome change on the road to Liverpool. Yeah, it really, really is a rare, rare <laughs> win on the road for the Reds and we'll be divulging into Jürgen Klopp's talking points, definitely. But in the same room as well, we've got Theo Squires. Theo, your backdrop is a bit more playing than Gorsty's. Looks like you've been held hostage once again, doesn't it? Yeah, Gorsty's holding me hostage, clearly. Um, I've just got back from holidays, haven't I? So saw the, the Jude Bellingham news and quickly left the country. I've just come to terms with it now to come back onto this. Just looking forward to us doing this in person because uh, this is the sort of thing we, I thought we were doing now, but it seems Kiefer didn't get the memo. Uh, we thought we'd push it back <laughs> to give him time to come in the office, but he's let us down here. So uh, you better step up with some good answers. Yeah, well, Theo, you've absolutely got that holiday glow of you. No one can see the shotgun between Gorsty's legs that he's holding your ransom with. But Kiefer, welcome along as well. Been a while since you've been on the pod. How's things? Yeah, not too bad. You were this week, weren't you? I was actually, I was about to say, I think it's, I think it's three in a week. But um, yeah, I got, I got a slightly nicer backdrop than Theo, as you can see there. Some, some nice wallpaper. But yeah, looking forward to getting stuck into uh, everything about tomorrow and obviously, you know, what remains of a, this season for Liverpool. So yeah, plenty to get stuck into. Yes, Dan. Well, let's get straight into it then, shall we? Gorsty, we'll come to you first. Then you mentioned that you were at Jurgen Klopp's press conference. The main talking point, I think, is the injury for Roberto Firmino. He won't be playing tomorrow. He's not got many games left for Liverpool. It's a bit of a worry, isn't it? It's not quite the fairy tale ending that we supposedly would have had for Roberto Firmino, is it? No, I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a muscle injury and, and Klopp was optimistic that um, he's still got a part to play in the rest of the season. There's still eight games to go. Uh, my worry from that perspective was Firmino had an injury in December just after the World Cup and we were kind of told at the time that it wasn't necessarily a severe one and I think he ended up missing about 10 or 11 games. So if it's a similar thing, then maybe he might have played his last game for Liverpool, which is a very sad way to uh, to depart. But, we, you know, we'll see. It's uh, I suppose in terms of a, you know, a purely football point of view, Klopp still has plenty of options to choose from, doesn't he? But there's... You know, five from three. Um, great to see Luis Diaz back on off the bench against Leeds on Monday night. Uh, great to see Darwin Nunes uh, very much getting in on the act with the sixth goal. Jogo Jota firing again after 12 months without a goal for various reasons, not necessarily just down to him being out of form, but also injuries and whatever else. Uh, and Mo Salah, of course, um, creating more history. So, I think we've lost Gorsty's connection there for a second, haven't we? I mean, um, <laughs> I can still him talking to, talk to yeah. be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are in the same room taking all the wife. I mean, we'll come to you on that, Theo. Then, I mean, the injury for me, you know, it's such a shame, isn't it? But there's also the rumours today about his Liverpool. Well, you know, he's leaving Liverpool. I think it's not goes into this one. I'll just meet Gorsty there for a second. So, yeah, Theo, I mean, as I was saying there, um. There's rumours today that Firmino will be joining Galatasaray, as much of the clubs, rumours in Saudi Arabia. I mean, where can you see him going? Do you think Galatasaray would be a good move for him? 
I, I think he's better than Galatasaray, to be honest. I was thinking maybe he could go to Spain, somewhere like that. You could still see him doing a job for Barcelona when they're not at their best, or Atletico Madrid, someone like that. He's still a reasonably young forward, isn't he? Like uh, early 30s, still got a couple of years left where he can perform at the top level, got some goals on the legs. I think he's shown that this season. He's um, delivered a fair few amount of goals at big moments. Liverpool saw that just coming off the bench against Arsenal. Granted, last couple of years, he has started to pick up the injuries a bit more. He hasn't been able to play week in, week out, but he still stepped up when his side have needed him. So maybe if he goes to a, a league where it's not as fast-paced as England, but it's still a major league, you'd imagine he can still do a job. He doesn't need to go chasing that Saudi payday yet, just yet. But at the same time, it doesn't matter where he goes. Like As long as he's happy, his family's happy, he'll go with Liverpool's blessing. He's been a legend for the club. He's scored so many important goals. He's scored so many important assists, won every trophy going um as long as he doesn't join like a manchester united or someone like that he, he can go with absolute blessing we know he's not going to he's going to go to somewhere uh, abroad you'd imagine but uh fair play to him he, he deserves anything that comes now and wherever he goes you just want to see him starting football week in week out and having a few years left of that beaming smile shirt almost coming off as he celebrates goals and then he can start signing up on the beach somewhere yeah, absolutely. I mean, I agree with you there, Theo. I think he's still definitely good enough. He's scored some important goals for Liverpool this season. His scoring rate is actually pretty impressive in his goals and assists. He could definitely go to a top five league in Europe, maybe Italy. I think where it's a bit slower. It's one that's often talked about, Inter Milan. I think that'd be a great move for Firmino. We can try and win some more silver on the continent. But um, Kiefer, let's stay with the attack then, because we saw Luis Diaz come back into the fold against Leeds United. Little cameo off the bench on the right-hand side, strangely. But he looked pretty sharp and impressive, didn't he? Would you be throwing him in this weekend? You know, is there any chance that Klopp may start him against Forest? Do you reckon? No, I, I wouldn't. I mean, obviously, you can argue whether there's you know still stuff for Liverpool to play for over the next five or six weeks. But I think you know, given the setback that he suffered um, out in Dubai in the mid-season break, I think you know for Jurgen Klopp and for Luis Diaz, the main thing will be just getting him up to rhythm in terms of making sure he's fifth pre-season. I think. You know, Monday was a, a huge step in the right direction in that, in it, you know, in terms of A, getting back on the pitch and obviously having no kind of repercussions from that. But also, I think psychologically, you hear players, you know, when they do suffer these kind of long-term injuries and, you know, not least a setback, that's taken them another six months. But, you know, the, the big thing is, you know, that first tackle or, or you know, that, that, that first bit of impact or that, that first sharp bit of movement. And, you know, I know he was only on the pitch for nine or ten minutes. You know, he probably spent about that waiting to come on, didn't he? The ball didn't seem to go out of play for absolutely ages, but... I think, yeah, between now and the end of the season, obviously those cameos will probably get longer. But I would be surprised, especially if there is a, you know, a faint, a faint chance of Liverpool maybe sneaking in the top four. You know, maybe if the, if the game's towards the end of the season, if it is completely, you know, if the race is completely run, kind of thing, you might see him get one or two starts there. But I just think there's no point risking it in, in that perspective. I think there's there's far more to lose than there is to gain between between now and the, the next six weeks. And I just think. As I say, you know, if you can if you can take him into next season looking sharp and at his best, because you know, in those early four, five, six weeks of the season, he was Liverpool's best player. Um, you know, he obviously scored some important goals and, and kind of dragged them back into the contest. Um, I always think of that, that that goal he scored against Palace after Nunes had been sent off and he kind of rallied the crowd, didn't he? When he when he scored that goal, just created out of absolutely nothing. And obviously that's been a big miss for Liverpool at times this season. So I think, you know, if you can kind of lay those foundations for a successful pre-season, a successful reset, if you want to call it that, and then obviously go again next season and hopefully can kind of, you know, hit those heights almost straight away because he will have been bedded in between now and, and you know, the end of May kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely couldn't agree more. I mean, it's definitely not worth the risk, but the thing for me, I think against Leeds, he seemed almost fully fit. I don't know if that was just me thinking that, obviously wanting to see it, but he looked really good and really sharp and he's obviously been such an important player 
Flippal. But anyway, Ghosty, I think we've got you back, haven't we, on the Wi-Fi? Theo's let you have the Ethernet plug for now. <laughs> but um, let's stay with the attack because all the talk this week has been about Trent Alexander-Arnold's new inverted role. But someone I think is really benefiting from the new tactic is actually Mohamed Salah, who's having a lot more of the ball, you know, getting far more involved with goal contributions. Granted, the Leeds game will have boosted that figure. But do you think this new tactic that Klopp started using has given Salah a bit more freedom? Do you think we can maybe see even a bit more from Mo than we've seen so far this season? Uh, I don't know really because it's it's not necessarily they, they don't they don't really kind of link together. You know, Trent moving into midfield doesn't necessarily mean that um, Salah's got someone on the overlap in the way that Jordan Henderson might have done previously. Um, I think we've lost Gorsley again. <laughs> I mean, Theo, if you want to jump in on this point of talking about, you know. You muted yourself there, Pat. Oh, the, the joys of live broadcasting, everyone. This is an absolute exhibition here. But I mean, Theo, as I was saying there, um, if you want to jump in on the point about Mo Salah, you know, these new tactics, the 3-2-5, what's your take on it? Do you think it could give him a new sense of freedom? Obviously, it's a tactic we've not often seen. Him and Trent do tend to link up down the right-hand side, but it could give Mo some more freedom, couldn't it? Um, I suppose to an extent, like, like Gorsty was saying, it's not really the biggest connection, is it? Like, Salah's coming in a bit more central. He's got that space, but he's still doing the same sort of things. So we're just not seeing him as out wide as we'd normally see. And he doesn't quite have the, the same overlapping runs, but he, he looks a bit more confident, doesn't he? Like he can link up with his forwards. There's a bit more to it there. They're not looking as isolated. Part of it will be he's playing with players he knows well. Others will be the new signings. He's had more time to link up with them. And just Liverpool in general are playing that little bit better. There's a little bit more confidence there. And you think that goes through the whole team. It's not a case of, oh, shipping one goal, shipping two goals, shipping three goal, and then he's even more isolated. He's just getting chances. He's putting them away. Um, Liverpool, if they're going to stand any chance of putting the, what, eight-game winning run together that they need to stand any chance at top four, you need Salah scoring goals. And it was covered in the press conference today. He's not had his absolute best season. Liverpool haven't had a very good season at all, but he's still breaking records. And he's going to get, what, 25, near 30 goals again this season, which is an incredible return considering... There have been lengthy droughts in there. There have been times when he has just been starved of the ball at all. Um, as long as Mohamed Salah's scoring, Liverpool have got a chance. We saw that against Leeds long way, continuing these final weeks of the season. And it doesn't matter if Trent's overlapping on the right or he's cutting inside. Like he's still got that wizard of a right foot. He's going to pick him out wherever he is, isn't he? You'll get both of those players on the ball. Liverpool have a chance. Yeah, really, really hope so. And, you know, I think we could even see more of Salah's form slowly, not slowly, gradually increase throughout the season. And it's hopefully going to crescendo towards the end with Liverpool's push towards the top four. Um, Gorsi, let's try coming to you again. Yeah, third time, lucky, hopefully. Let's in now before, before I get yeah, cut on. off again. Uh, we were talking about Trent, weren't we? And, I mean, he, he looked great, didn't he, in that position against Leeds on, on Monday. He absolutely ran the show from the centre of the pitch. And it, it was interesting seeing him with the ball with kind of Van Dijk and Canate either side of him. He was very much picking her up in, in the centre of the pitch, picking his passes at will. I mean, he won't come up against any more accommodating opponents than Leeds this season, I'm sure. But it was very encouraging. Um, my only issue with it is, for all the kind of plaudits that are laid of Trent's feet for that performance, rightly so, is... Let's not jump on his back the moment that Liverpool can see the chance down that right hand side or whatever, because he is essentially being asked to play two roles, uh, two positions, you know, be two players. Um, and that's doesn't matter who you are, that's that's incredibly difficult. It's not necessarily 
something that he's worked on over the course of a of a pre-season schedule or anything like that. Liverpool, to be fair to them, had a week to sort it out tactically and come up with a little bit of a new plan, which hasn't always been the case when there's been spaces in between games. That's been one of my biggest criticisms of Klopp this season in terms of just trying the same things again and again and, and being shocked when it hasn't worked. This was definitely something new and, and, it, and it worked. Um, I just hope that there's a little bit of um, rational discourse around the Trent discussion, even when the next time Liverpool can see the, a big chance down that right-hand side because, uh, you know, it can't be Superman. And, and Klopp said it today in his press conference. He said, you know, this, that, that putting Trent in there is not the absolute solution to everything. It doesn't mean that it's going to wave a magic wand over Liverpool and they're going to be back to where they were last season. But it's something different. It's something that they can use at certain points. And um, so far... The evidence appears to be positive. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, couldn't agree more. It's a very good point you make, actually, because to refer to Ibu Kanate as well, he was defending superbly. I know he had the mistake against Leeds, but there's a lot of things he cleaned up down the right-hand side. And, you know, Trent's position is ultimately now defensively in transition for the whole game because he's going to be you know, tracking back and forth to and from the midfield. So it's interesting how that one pans out. Um, Kiefer, just to finish off then, a lot of talk about the Liverpool attack. Obviously, Diogo Jota has finally scored again for Liverpool a year later since his last goals. He seems to be in decent form, hopefully, towards the end of the season. But Darwin Nunes has been benched recently because of it. Now, is there a case of bringing Nunes back in against Forest? I mean, it's a pretty difficult one with Jota's form in the last game. It's quite hard to drop him for Nunes, isn't it? But then you've got your £85 million signing sat on the bench, haven't you? Yeah, I, I mean, I certainly won't be looking to drop Josser after he's finally got his, his his first two league goals in in what is it fifty three weeks or you know just over a year. I mean, you, know, you talk about confidence, you just have to look at the way he took that second goal. I know Leeds didn't cover themselves in any glory, and, and there's questions probably asked to the goalkeeper, but you know to take that first time just kind of shows the confidence that was running through the whole Liverpool team that night. So, I think he's certainly someone you you know you're looking to keep and line up tomorrow. It's obviously, as Theo said, Salah as well. When Salah's scoring, Liverpool. You know, Liverpool tend to, to do well and, you know, certainly when, more than when he's not playing. Um, and then Gakpo, I thought he was brilliant again against Leeds and he's kind of quietly grown into this kind of false nine role. So I think at this stage of the season, we've, I know I know it depends who you ask, um, you know, whether Liverpool's top four hopes are alive or faintly alive or however you regard them. I think, you know, something Liverpool haven't had this season is sustainability and there's been a lot of injuries. You know, you, you only have to... Look at Canate and, and how how little he's played this season. Obviously, Jota's had his injuries. Thiago, you know, Fabinho's been out of form. There's been so many different uh, kind of reasons why Liverpool haven't been able to do that. If you look at the likes of Newcastle and Arsenal, who have been able to string kind of consistent 11s together on a weekly basis. So I think you know between now and the season, it should all be about kind of building the platform for, for next season. And you know, if the if the fruits of that are bad this season and, and they can sneak a Champions League place, then that's great. But ultimately. Um, you know, as Klopp said today in his press conference, you know, what Nunes does between now and the end of the season, he's, he's a long-term project and, you know, stuff off the field in terms of learning English and, and maybe learning the, the kind of pressing uh, traps and that kind of thing will come. And, you know, they didn't pay 64 million for him just to, you know, for him to become an overnight success. They, they've obviously, um, you know, seen him as a long-term project. He's obviously, what, still 23. And to be fair, he's obviously got 15 goals in, what is it, 39, 40 games this season, which is, you know, really respectable respectable return of I think Gorsi wrote in a piece this week is it's more than Mane I think got in his first season I think more than Sturridge's first season as well I think is he just shy of Suarez I think it was um so you know if you kind of pin him up against those kind of players it's you know it's a really respectable return and obviously you know given the price tag he commanded 
if when he isn't starting games, it is going to create headlines. That's just the nature of modern day football. But you know, I'm, I'm sure you know as Klopp said today, obviously he won't be best pleased when he isn't playing. But I'm sure he's obviously aware and alert to the bigger picture. And and you know, if he can continue to do what he does, you know, in, in cameos like he did at Ellen Road on Monday night, and that's only going to strengthen his chances and, and Liverpool's chances of being successful in the future. But I think now, obviously, I know Firmino's injured, but you know, for a brief period, they had six of their attacking options together. Obviously, I know Firmino's going to go in the summer, but you know, you're looking at two, you know, elite level forwards being disappointed on a on a weekly basis now that you know because it's it's three from five, isn't it? So, you know, it's all about squad squad rotation and management and how you kind of how Klopp chooses to manage that. But as I say, given what happened at Ellen Road and kind of the way that played out, it was pretty perfect. I would I'll be looking to go with the, the same eleven on the uh, tomorrow night. Sorry, tomorrow afternoon against against Forest. Well, Klopp said in his um, press conference, didn't he, that he's already got one eye on next season. So I suppose the fact that it's Firmino's injured, it's almost starting for there. Like it is these five that are competing for the, the starting places next season, and you'd imagine that you're not going to see any of them be shock departures, even if say like Jota could be one that raises funds. So this is very much a chance for them to state their claim. They're all versatile; they can all play two or three positions in that front three. So it's great to see them getting on the goals. And maybe there is something in the fact that the last time Jota scored for Liverpool, it was, what, on the eve of that FA Cup semi-final game, wasn't it, against Man City, when Liverpool put in that performance of the season. Um, he scored a few days before that. And it's just been gradually worse and worse ever since in that this last year. Now he's scored again. Liverpool are going to be back to the best, aren't they? It's going to be that quadruple <laughs> form again. We're going to see all those uh, demons finally out the window. But it's interesting to see what Klopp was saying about Nunes as well. Like He was quite hard on him, really, if you break it down word for word, saying he's not learned English as well as they'd perhaps like. He's um, not quite got up to the defensive standards yet and like, all these things. You think, well, Liverpool have got to adapt defensively. And then you throw in the fact they've got to adapt to a new forward. They're not playing well anyway. But when you've got those five options, it means you can rotate. And they've got, what, Forest at the weekend, West Ham away midweek. There are going to be changes in these games. So if Jota keeps his place in one, Nunes, you'd imagine, starts the other if there's going to be a space for both of them in that. And I think that there's this um, old story from Robbie Fowler and Peter Crouch, where Fowler, after Crouch got his perfect hat-trick against Arsenal, Fowler went up to him and said, oh, you're dropped next week then. And he was completely baffled by it. But it's because throughout his career, Fowler was dropped so often after scoring two or three goals. Like you want to give him that bit of fire in the belly, suddenly go again to make sure it doesn't happen next time. So there could be a few mind games there if Jurgen Klopp wants to partake in this sort of thing. But when you've got that competition for places, it's going to get the benefits all around the squad. They're all going to be pushing for goals. Like the fact that well, Diaz was the only one who didn't score, Firmino didn't score. I know Firmino's not going to play at the weekend, but now they'll, they'll want to enter and their own droughts. They'll want to get on the goal sheet as well and spread it around. That's what Liverpool need. A few goals from all over that attacking option. Those attacking options, regardless of who's starting, something they've been starved of all season long. It's finally turned up in this business end of the campaign. Admittedly, it's debatable how much business is left for Liverpool. We shall see. <laughs> I think it's yeah, yeah, Sorry, just to jump in, but I think it's also quite telling that he touched on obviously the pressing, didn't he? And he said, you know, pressing is, is kind of your ticket into to this team. And obviously, I know Jota, obviously, a lot's been made of Jota's run over the past 12 months and obviously has been caveated by, you know, long term injuries. But I think with Jota, is, I know certainly in his first kind of two seasons at Liverpool, there's a lot of talk about, you know, he scores so many goals, but what does he actually add to Liverpool, you know, in terms of overall play and kind of the bigger picture, which is, which is fine when you get in 21 goals like you were last season. But to be fair to him, and, and the performance against City stands out, and obviously I know it didn't end in the way he wanted it to end, obviously, as he got stretched off, but in terms of he's really improved his all-around game off the ball, and I think that's obviously bought him a bit of patience in this kind of barren run-up since he's since what he made his return in February against, I think it was Everton, wasn't it, when he came on? So, you know, obviously there's been 
two two months, just over two months since since he kind of came back for the second time. And obviously he hasn't scored in that time, but you know, especially in recent weeks, he's been selected for the big games. And I think obviously I know there's been injuries and, and such that have maybe upped him in the pecking order, but his work off the ball I think has really improved this season, you know, in the in the kind of small sample size we have seen from him. And I think obviously that's that's a, a kind of a good message because I think when Liverpool's pressing is you know, given how meticulous it is, you know, if it's, it's slightly off pace, you know, as we kind of saw in the in the, in the lockdown season, you know, if it's slightly off pace, um, you know, teams can pick through you and pass you through you and kind of tear you apart almost. So I think kind of sending that message of you have got to do both sides of the game equally as as well as it is kind of a really strong point for Klopp, but also one that obviously you can point to Jota and say, you know, that's the, that's your example of it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Absolutely, just spot on with those points. And I think the main thing to take away from it is, you know, there's eight games left to play in effectively a month. There's going to be so many games again next season. I think they'll qualify for at least some form of European competition. That remains to be seen exactly which one it'll be, whether it'll be Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday nights. But um, let's move away then from that. Then. Shall we, Gorsty, if your Wi-Fi can hold through again, let's preview the clash against Nottingham Forest, shall we? It was a dreaded white kit, early kickoff away defeat to Liverpool back in... I think it was November time, wasn't it, or October or something. Really sluggish performance. Are you expecting a very different result this time around at Anfield? Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, and, you know, don't want to tempt fate because Liverpool have looked like they've turned the corner a few times this season, only to be back in the mire where they found themselves previously. But I think this one is a little bit different. I think the approach now, you know, going into the weekend, nine points off the top four, uh, realistically accepting that maybe they're not going to be in the Champions League. Um so if they win, they lose or they draw, it's not kind of the be all and end all end of the world drama that other defeats have been. So I think maybe they, they can actually go into it with a little bit of freedom and you know the foot off the or foot on the on the pedal if you like and the, the handbrake off and whatever kind of motor metaphor you want to use. I do think that between now and the end of the season they've got a little bit of a platform for next season and that's something the club said himself actually in the in the press conference. Um that we've just come back from. So he'll be looking for something, you know, signs of life for, the, for next season, you know, players who can catch his eye, players who can state or uh, stake a claim and state that they want to be part of the plans going forward. Uh, Curtis Jones is probably a perfect example of that. Um, then you've got the likes of Luis Diaz uh, and Jota to a lesser extent who are trying to um, make sure that they end the season in peak condition, have a good summer, get back into pre-season and really fly out the traps again. So I think uh, Liverpool have, you know, don't want to kind of demean the rest of the season, but it's almost a kind of extended pre-season, if you like. Okay, of course, they're still fighting for places in, in the in the European slots, but we know the Champions League is, is the, the major one, and if they fall short of that, so be it. You know, they, they might secure themselves Europa League football, and then you get into the kind of discussion about that next season but yeah I think Liverpool now between here and the end of the season can really just approach the, the, the rest of the games with uh, a little bit of freedom and, and as we've seen on Monday night when they get the tails up they can uh, certainly still devastate Yeah absolutely I and mean, I really hope it's a similar performance to Leeds and there's no reason why it can't be this new fan formation the flourishing attack I mean Theo the, the problem is you know I've just had a look at Liverpool's running would that want it to be disrespectful? I suppose I've got even less reason to because Liverpool have lost to so many of these teams this season. They've got quite a few relegation candidates in their fixtures, haven't they? And those lesser called teams, I again don't want to disrespectful, and they have been Liverpool this season at times. 
they can be more problematic for Jurgen Klopp's side, can't they? They tend to struggle against those teams that dig in and are dying for points, especially towards the business end of the season. Um, it's not really just a Liverpool problem, though. I think it's all over the, se- the campaign this year, isn't it? Like, it's so hard to predict who's going to go down, who's going to finish in the European places, who's going to be in the Champions League places. These teams are all taking points off each other and there's no um, rhythm to it at all. It's just so erratic. Like one minute you can beat Manchester United 7-0, the next you can lose 1-0 to Bournemouth. And I think Bournemouth followed that up with a a defeat themselves, but now they've gone on a run. And like teams are going through these two, three games where they look good, they look safe if they're on the bottom of the table. And then one defeat just puts them straight back into all the, the mix of it and you look at the other end of the table well who would have thought Villa would be pushing for proper European football and then Ollie Watkins seems to be scoring every week now they're outsiders for Champions League football as well it's just so hard to call at the moment all you can do and it's as boring as it sounds and it's what Jurgen Klopp says every week every season is focus on the next game they can't really let themselves be distracted by anything else they just need to make sure they perform to the best of their abilities and get those points on the board and it is a really good week for them if they can do that against nottingham forest because like you beat leeds 6-1 you think oh everything's great again you look at the league table it made no difference at all did it they still stayed eight but you look at it this week well brighton are in fa cup semi-final duty newcastle and spurs are playing each other on the sunday so you can already close that gap to like three points of what fifth place before uh, Newcastle and Spurs are even playing Villa are playing Brentford so well they're not going to really get too far ahead or one of them's not going to overtake you because they've got to take points off each other like this could be a chance for Liverpool to start breathing down the necks of the teams above them and whether that's oh yes top four is back on or keeping Europa League alive or just pushing that Europa conference place below you a little bit it makes gives them that chance to send out a statement and if they can do that, granted, Nottingham Forest, it's not going to be the, the big name that sends out a statement and the fact that a 7-0 against Manchester United does. But Liverpool there would be getting points in a game they haven't earlier in the season, in games where they have slipped up. It would suggest more that they have potentially turned the corner. And we, we have said that so many times this season, so you don't want to get carried away. But if they can focus on one game, get the points, doesn't matter who they're playing, where they're playing, just do that. Then they've got a chance. I keep saying that on this bog loss. Then they've got a chance. They've so many corners are basically facing back on themselves. But if they can do it now, then they, well, who knows where they can end up. Klopp said that himself. They might be focusing on next season, but out in the corner of their eye, they'll see that if the team's slipping up, they're going to be there to take advantage of it. It's what happened two years ago, and there's no reason why it can't happen again when you look at the teams they're competing with now. Like realistically, Brighton get distracted by the FA Cup. Villa, do they have the legs? Spurs are always going to Spurs it. Newcastle United, it's the first time they're really in Champions League contention for so long. Does that lack of experience cost them? And we all saw what Manchester United have been doing in recent weeks with their defence gloriously falling apart, as I say that with a big beaming smile on my face for those of us who aren't watching on YouTube. It's wide open. And like I said, it's not just the bottom of the table, it's the top end as well. Anything can happen with a, a month or so of the season left. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you spoke there about the inconsistencies and the freak nature of the season, but the same with the Liverpool expectations for the top four. Every week I've changed my mind on it. Sometimes I'm thinking, no, because, you know, the last week we did the podcasts, I thought the top four hopes were dead and buried. I was almost accepting Europa League and Conference League. Whereas now I feel you've reborn the optimism in me that Liverpool could play the top four. I mean, Kiefer, just to round us off before our team selects them, what's your take on it? Do you think Liverpool can push themselves into the top four? Do you think there's still a glimmer of hope given their relatively nice running by the looks of things? 
See, I'm the same as you, Pat. On, on Monday's episode, I said now that it's completely done, kind of thing, and it's you know it's a bit crazy to kind of hang on hang on to that optimism. And I know there's been no direct games that affect Liverpool since, but you know, four days later, I'm sat here, and I'm, I think there is a slight chance. And you know, I think for the next five games are at Anfield, which is obviously you know the record at Anfield was it hasn't been what it has been in 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 you know the year they won the Premier League and, and other seasons. And they've still won. You know, a decent amount. I think it's the eighth best home record in the division. It's it's largely been the the the, the form on the road that has, has kind of killed any hopes of any success or any momentum this season. So, I think I think it says a lot that a lot of people are not nervous about tomorrow, but you know, it's it's almost like we saw the United game and the Bournemouth game that followed it up. Is you know, there's no point beating United seven 0 and, and kind of losing to Bournemouth six days seven days later. So, I think you know, tomorrow is a, a huge litmus test in, in in that regard. And I think if we if we get through that, which sounds absolutely crazy because Forest have, have I looked at it, I don't think they've won back-to-back Premier League games all season um, and if you look at their running between now and the end of the season they've you know, they've got some huge tests coming up um, but I just look at that fourth spot and I look at Newcastle and I know they're nine points ahead of Liverpool but I just think if, if and it's a massive if not only because it's Tottenham but I think if, if Tottenham can get something on Sunday I think that could, could be the moment it changes I know Newcastle went on a, a kind of a similar um, kind of run when they were knocked off. Uh, when Liverpool beat them in, in February, didn't they? I think it was five without a win they went. Um, and to be fair, they have steadied themselves since. But a few of those, um, a few of those performances, like I think the, the game at Forest was a was a late late penalty. There's, there's been a few where you know they kind of just got over the line. And obviously that's a huge credit to the kind of the mentality of within the squad at the moment. But I just look and as Theo says, that lack of experience and, and maybe not a direct lack of experience in Newcastle's team, but just the experience that Liverpool have got. You know, every season, you know, for the past five years, they've they've been involved in the business end of the season, whether that be Europe, domestic cups, Champions League qualification. So I just think when push comes to shove, you know, like happened, you know, two years ago, I think they won eight of the last ten, didn't they? When when Fabinho came back, and you know, they have been in such a similar situation before, and and, and seventy one points, you would think would would, would have to be the, the the absolute minimum. I know that would be winning all eight of their games, but it just feels if they can do that, and they have obviously got some some favourable fixtures. Obviously, Tottenham come to Anfield next Sunday. So, you know, it kind of is staged up if, if you can kind of grasp onto any opportunity possible, you know, with, you know, if, if like I say, if Tottenham are able to get something when they play Newcastle on Sunday, then that could be the, just the kind of the, the last bit of, you know, flickering hope that Liverpool need to kind of prolong a, you know, a seven-game a seven game winning streak that could kind of propel them into the Champions League football. But I mean, you know, in five weeks' time, it could all be viewed as, yeah. as wishful thinking, but... You know, there's. I don't think it's as dead as maybe we thought after that week where they got two points from City, Chelsea, and Arsenal. But still, plenty of football to be played. So we'll see what happens, won't we? Oh, Keith, it just sounds like you've fallen into this classic Friday bloodbed trap like I have myself. You know, they could beat Nottingham Forest 5 0 and then probably go and lose to West Ham. And, you know, our hopes will change up and down. But it's, the Liverpool season has been like that. It really wouldn't surprise us, would it? Because they've got, you know, you look at the, 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 the quadruple still be made on, on Monday night and you just. You know, you you look at it and you've got you know Thiago, Nunes, Firmino, Diaz all coming on, and you just think, you know, as as I said earlier, I don't think Diaz will play much between now and the end of the season. But just looking around the dressing room, that must be a real boost to see all those kind of big names. You know, Thiago, you know, imagine he'll have a a decent role to play in, in the running. That must be such a confidence boost after what has been such a torrid season. Just looking around and seeing, you know, lads coming back into the frame and and, and knowing that you have got to be on your end game, you know, to keep your place in the starting eleven and. You know, as I say, it might be Friday wishful thinking, but I just I, it feels everything's like lined up quite nicely for Liverpool, and and you know whether whether they end up in Tuesday night, Wednesday night, or Thursday night, we'll see. But like I say, it just feels like you know a lot of things are kind of lined up in their favour. 
The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, well, let's pray that Liverpool can go on that massive unbeaten run that they need and hopefully Forrest can be the start of that. Well, hopefully they do so as well with a solid team. Let's pick our teams then, shall we, for Liverpool against Forrest. Gorsty, if you want to go up first, uh, Jim Allison Beck will be between the sticks, won't he? And if you want to select your back four as well that you're choosing. Yeah, Theo was on mute there as he tried to point out that Arsenal was the start of the unbeaten run. Um, Actually, it's Chelsea. Oh, I'm doing these back through my head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, back five. Yeah, uh, Trent starts at right back, you know, officially, if not necessarily in, in, in practice. Um, <clears throat> Trent at right back, Andy Robertson at left back, Virgil and Canate keep their places as well. I don't really see too much of a need to change it, given that, that you know, Liverpool played on Monday night, Saturday afternoon. There's enough gaps in there to not have to make the changes, even though you can make the case of perhaps saving a few for West Ham the following week, but... Uh, certainly with the back five, I'm, I'm going to keep it as it is. Yeah, I think as you alluded to there, Gort, you may see some changes across the coming weeks with you know, the amount of fixtures there are. I mean, Theo, if you want to pick through your back four as well, and just on that, I mean, Joel Matip has, you know, struggled with form this season and with Liverpool's new tactic and Canate sort of covering across that right-hand side, do you think Matip will struggle even more to get places in the team now with this newly adopted tactic? Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine so. Like it helps having a pacier defender there, whether it's Canate or it gives Joe Gomez maybe more of a chance at some point as well. The fact that Joe Gomez can play as fullback as well. Um, I think there was a, maybe a, this hidden feeling that Matip's Liverpool career is perhaps coming to the end. We know he's out of contract in a little over a, a year's time. If Liverpool want to raise any money on him, it's from selling him this summer. Uh, he has had so many injuries throughout his career. He was brilliant last year. He was crucial to getting that ball out of defence, getting it forward. And we saw him on so many mazy runs, leading to goals and assists. But this year, it's not happened for him. He's been one of those players where it seems like almost a season too much. And maybe there hasn't been the scrutiny on him as there has been on a Fabinho, just because he hasn't been able to play as much, he hasn't been needed as much. Or when he would have had a run in the team, he's picked up these injuries. But unless there's injuries elsewhere, you don't see him getting that starting place back. Like Realistically, Liverpool don't have too many midweek games left. I know they've got West Ham coming up, but when you've got that whole week on the training field, most of the time, if you're staying clear of injuries, you can keep the back five pretty much the same. And that's going to give them the best way of getting clean sheets. Getting clean sheets gives you the best chance of getting victories. And getting victories gives you the best chance of getting into the Champions League. So keeping the same for me. I, I do have one question, though. What are we calling this formation now? Like, is it a 4-3-3 when we know Trent's got this little star, a little asterisk next to his name? Or are we going 3-2-2-3? Three, two, two, three? Have we settled, settled on something yet? To save myself, field, yeah. <laughs> it'll save midfield. Yeah, it'll save myself the work when doing the team selector later to keep it as a 4-3-3 officially. But yeah, I would call it a 3-2-5 myself, I think, at the moment. Um, maybe a 3-2-3-2, who knows? 3-2-5, um, isn't that basically what they used to do in like the 1920s, the WM formation or something ridiculous like that? Yeah, the, the inverted in pyramid, yeah. <laughs> yeah, reversing the pyramid indeed. Yeah. But, um, Keith, I mean, you alluded that you were probably going to go for an unchanged back four as well, if that is the case. Do you want to talk us through midfield? Yeah, just just the one change, uh, bringing Thiago in for Curtis Jones, and and that's no slight on Curtis Jones. I thought has been excellent. Uh, I just think you know, as he's alluded to himself, that obviously they are carefully managing this kind of injury of his. So I think he's played what you think Chelsea came in, then he played Arsenal, and obviously played Monday night. So you know, as we've all said, there's there's plenty of fixtures to, to play between now and the end of the season, and obviously he's done more than enough to kind of remind people of his qualities, but. I just think, you know, bringing in Thiago, obviously he had the cameo on Monday night um, and obviously he had the cameo against Arsenal as well, where I thought it was really impressive, but more just to kind of make sure there's no 
you know, setbacks with, with Curtis Jones kind of thing. So, yeah, be Thiago on the left, Henderson on the right, and then Fabinho um, in the six. Yeah, I mean, Gorsi, how about yourself for the midfield? Because I think most of us are like-minded. It's quite harsh dropping Curtis Jones because he's been very impressive of late, hasn't he? But obviously, with the return of Thiago, he's such a huge player. How would you manage his return over the last, you know, month or so of the season? Just uh, I'll... Gorsi, yeah. <laughs> go on. Can you hear me? I can hear now, go on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it might be a good one for, for Thiago to start, actually. Um, maybe a return for Harvey Elliott as well. Elliott, Thiago, Fabinho. Uh, I agree with Keeper's point about carefully managing Jones. Yeah, he kind of has a bit of a weird thing now where he plays, well, he trains four out of every five days and he has a fifth day off. Um, so maybe this is a good one for him to sit out and maybe um, can look at him again for, for Tuesday night. But I do think there will be changes, so Thiago... And Elliot would be two of those in the centre of the park. Yeah, I mean, just on that low gorsey, do you not think they need to be a little bit careful with you know Thiago coming back from injury? Obviously, he's aggravated so many injuries this season, hasn't he? Would you, how many games have you playing him for the last eight of the season? Say, yeah, 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 no, really. I mean, you know, if he breaks down again, he breaks down. You know, Liverpool don't have loads to play for. It's not like you're resting him because you've got a Champions League final on the horizon or anything like that. So, if he gets injured, so be it. But, um, I, I, I can see why he'd look to carefully manage him at, at certain points, but that's just because that's what you do with a player like Thiago anyway. I don't really see that you're resting him for any particular fixture down the line. So I think maybe my, tomorrow might be a good time for, to get him in the team and to, um, you know, we can strut some stuff, can he, at Anfield Saturday afternoon against the team who might not come to Anfield with too much adventure in the in the lineup. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of the reason why they signed Thiago, isn't it? To play against these sides who will come to Anfield will undoubtedly play a low block and he can hopefully unpick that one. Um, Theo, if you want to talk us through your midfield selection and then also go into your attack as well. Uh, I think it's harsh on Curtis Jones to drop him. I thought he's been really good the last few games. It's a stunning assist against Leeds. And I think the fact that he's not been tarred by Liverpool's poor form for the majority of the season because he hasn't been available, it's given him that little bit of a boost. The fact that he's come in and it has been a pickup. Like he can play without that fear, without that weight hanging over his shoulders because he's free of it. We're seeing so much more confidence from him in form. I know Gorsty said about the injury thing and it's just, just tomorrow the fifth day or do they get another day out of him there? Because he is playing well. Um, I think if he is fit, he keeps his place. But then at the same time, I, I get the argument for Thiago. Like this is the game they signed him for when he got these uh, pragmatic teams that will just pump it along, put men behind the ball. You need him to get on the control possession pick those holes through. Maybe if Forrest are just going to go defensive, there's an argument that you don't need one of Henderson or Fabinho. Like you have one of them as the six and you have Thiago and Jones either side because Jones has shown that he's got that physical side to him. He's a taller lad. He's good at winning the ball back and he covers the yards, doesn't he? He's running around and getting all those distance in his legs. So maybe that that's a way to go. Potentially, the argument is Fabinho could drop out because he's got this yellow card thing, doesn't he, hanging over his head? There is a two-game suspension looming, yeah. And it seems strange to say it because there's been so many times in the past where he's been crucial to Liverpool. And if he got a two-game suspension at this stage of the season, it would be the end of the world. It wouldn't really seem that big a loss now if he did pick up a two-game suspension. But when you've got Tottenham on the horizon, maybe just tread carefully with him for the next couple of games. You could put Henderson as the six and see where it goes. But yeah, I. I think Thiago needs a game at some point. Jones has been superb. Let him keep his place. And in the front three, well, Salah keeps his place. Gakpo keeps his place. Diaz is nowhere near ready for a start, as Kiefer was saying earlier on the pod, so he's on the bench. And it's just between Nunes and Jota. 
Uh, one of them starts this game, the other one of them starts West Ham. Let, let us keep it the same for this one, and then we'll swap it against West Ham because Nunes scored against West Ham earlier in the season. Jota's just got his two. That's probably overthinking it completely. But <laughs> we'll, we'll let the other two say something completely different, and we'll see. I, I agree. I think Jota probably suits the home game against Forest more than the West Ham away. I think that's more chance for counter-attacking and Nunes getting in behind. But I mean, as you said, Theo, just on the midfield there, Fabinho is probably the most likely Liverpool player to get a booking when he plays. It's going to happen at some point. And I don't think you can really afford to drop him. I mean, you know, I don't think the Spurs midfield is exactly a huge problem for Liverpool if they were missing Fabinho for that one. But I mean, um, Keith, then, if you want to choose your attack as well, there's a little bit of a selection headache, I suppose. But then I think you're all pointing towards Diogo Jota, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think I said it earlier, I'd, I'd unchanged for me. Um, I think, obviously, maybe if Firmino didn't have this muscle injury, you could you know, put an argument up for him to get a start. Um, but obviously, Gakpo is obviously the, the kind of suitable replacement now. So he keeps his place. Um, obviously, Salah on the right. And then, obviously, it's a toss-up between Jota and Nunes. But as you say, I think maybe the game at West Ham would maybe you know, suit Nunes a bit more, looking to stretch teams in behind. I think you know, at Anfield, you would think Liverpool would have enough to... You know enough opportunities to kind of you know punish Forest and, and obviously Jota, you know, fresh from his two goal break, his brace at, um, at Ellen Road. You know, it's the perfect time. I just think it'd be very counterproductive to to put him to the bench now, let him get another run out where Liverpool dominate possession and, and hopefully he can kind of fill his hat with with goals. Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, then Gorsty, if you want to round off our team selected, then with your attack, I think I know the answer, but if you want to talk us through anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to bring Nunes back in for Jota, actually, because um, I think, you know, we obviously scored his two goals to the night, Jota, but he's played a lot of football for someone who um, hasn't played a lot of football, if you like. So I think this might be a good one to, to bring him out and, and maybe reserve him for, um, a is it Tuesday night? Uh, Wednesday night at uh, West Ham? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and I think Nunes will, will be chomping at the bit as well, given, the, you know, we come off the bench and slotted that one away, didn't he, on, uh, on Monday night. So uh, Nunes... On the left, Gakpo and Salah. Yeah, I mean, a nice little curveball there to round us off, course, isn't it? I mean, I'm not sure who the Nottingham Forest right hand side centre half is, but I think Liverpool, you know, could thrive against the five at the back if Forest do still opt for that tactic. But um, anyway, then to round off the pod, we always give our um, score predictions. Come to you first, Theo, if you want to give us your prediction on how this one's going to go at Anfield on Saturday. Oh, it's, if Liverpool are at their best, they turn up, start well. It could be like a 2-0, 3-0 victory. Maybe I'll go for a slightly smaller victory, just so it's not helping Everson out too much. We'll, we'll go for a 2-0. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kiefer, it's an important thing to consider, isn't it? We've got to make sure that Everton stay down there on goal difference. What's your prediction going to be? Well, as a purple trends writer, um, I'm neither biased. <laughs> I'm, I'm perfectly impartial. So um, I think, I don't know, I, I suppose it depends how they manage the first 20 minutes. That, you know, if they don't give... You know, if they can take the chances like they did, you know, if you, you look at the Bournemouth game in August, you know, then they got they they got a hat full of goals that day, didn't they? But you know, all the away games have been they've been unable to take the chances, and, and teams like Forest have obviously grown into the game. So I think you know if they don't give away any silly free kicks or anything like that, it you know has a potential to be a, a fun afternoon for Liverpool. But it kind of all it kind of hinges on the first twenty minutes. You do feel like, but without sitting on the fence, I will go three 0 Liverpool. Gorsty, how about yourself then? Round off our predictions. How do you think it's going to go for the Reds? Uh, I think this is the one where Liverpool look like they finally turned the corner and they will win 3 0. I'll be clipping that one up, Gorsty, when they move away to West Ham yeah. next week. Yeah, Famous win. yeah absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think Liverpool will win this one. I think this is the one that they'll 
definitely doing them. We'll do Monday's podcast and we'll be convinced they'll make the top four. Who knows? But that's a bit of optimism anyway. It is Friday after all. Round up the pod though there. Thank you very much for joining me, Paul Gorst, Theo Squires and Kiefer McDonald as well. Thank you to all of you for watching and listening along, be it on Facebook or YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts from. We've also had Analyzing Anfield go out a day later than usual, so that's also available today. Make sure you go listen to that one, a brilliant pod with our very own Josh Williams. And of course, we've got Jürgen Klopp's press conference on the Blood Red YouTube channel as well. But as I said, we'll catch you again next Monday for the Blood Red podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.